welcome to Embracing Diabetes. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Elizabeth Stevens. And I'm Amy Stockwell. And we're really excited today about our interview with John Sturrett. Full disclosure, he's my nephew-in-law, so I've known him for over 20 years. John plays bass in an excellent band called Hail the Sun, which is labeled on Wikipedia as post-hardcore using elements of screamo, progressive rock, and math rock in its music. We've had this band stay with us over the years as they've toured, and it's been so wonderful to watch their success grow. They now have five albums, two EPs, and close to 300,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I was really curious to talk with John about what it's like to have type 1 diabetes on tour, how he manages his performances, and hear what it's like to be a rock and roller taking insulin. So John, thank you so much for making time to talk with us today. I, we, Amy and I usually start off our conversations with, um, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis of diabetes story. What's something that stands out from that memory and, um, that you feel comfortable sharing? Sure. Yeah. So I was, uh, let's see, I was diagnosed. Uh, I remember the day pretty vividly. It was October 23rd, 1997. Uh, which is also my uncle Peter's birthday, your husband, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it was about two weeks buildup prior to that when the symptoms were kicking in. And I, I was third, I was in third grade, so only eight years old. And I think I was losing weight pretty rapidly. And I was I was a little more of a hefty kid, so it was noticeable. And I was very thirsty. And I guess what I thought in my head, well, I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink orange juice a lot. And you know, that was probably not the best idea to do at the time, not knowing. Um, and I was getting like sick and nauseous and my mom didn't know what was going on, but I think right before they decided to take me in to get a blood test, my mom had this aha moment that, uh, you know, this could be diabetes because her, her, uh, previous husband, her uh, first husband was a diabetic. And, you know, so she was registering those symptoms in that way. So lo and behold, yeah, we went in, got a blood test and they said I was type one diabetic right then and there. So they kept me in the hospital for about three or four days, you know, doing tests. And it, it was just a whirlwind. I remember it was so new to me. And at that time, I was just listening to my parents tell me what was going on, you know, watching them have conversations with the doctor. And I was in the background just learning what what might have been changing over the time. So learning, you know, what you shouldn't be eating now, what you uh, try to try to keep your numbers in this range. So it was very new. Um, I don't think I really took it in until, you know, the first couple of months realizing, oh, this is a thing I have to do every day, you know, test my blood sugar, get insulin injections. And my dad would always give me my shots for, uh, I think the first few months. So it was, I think the thing that stood out to me was just, uh, trying to understand, I think this is going to be a lifelong journey on this new, on the, with this new disease. So I think that as a child, as an eight-year-old, you're kind of just going with the flow, whatever your ter- whatever your parents tell you is going to do. And what so that year, was, what year was this, John? 1997. Okay. Yeah. So I just had my uh, 25th year dia anniversary or okay. however you want to say that. So uh, yeah, 33 now. So it's, it's been, um, it's been a journey to say the least, I guess. 
So still going. I remember feeling scared, like being that young. I was 14 when I was diagnosed and Liz was, you were in your twenties. Yeah. Do you remember feeling scared at all or was it too, or did you not understand enough about it to even be scared? I think it was more, yeah, more of that, just more confusion and um, not fully understanding what it was entailing and how it was, you know, this could be a lifelong, will be a lifelong disease until uh, any kind of cure is made. So not so much, I wasn't scared. I don't remember that. It was more just listening to my parents telling me, hey, this is what we have to do now. And and I, I remember vividly like them saying like, you shouldn't eat ketchup anymore because it was like high sugar. <laughs> and I thought that was so odd. I was like, ketchup, what's the matter with ketchup? You know, it's tomatoes, not knowing that it's full of sugar and all that. So I remember uh, actually my educator told me I couldn't chew gum or I had to, I had to really? count gum and be like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. I don't even yeah. chew sugar gum. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I like the stuff there's, you remember. There's so many little things when you learn about and what you should try not was- to eat. I was so devastated about because the I was it was 19, 1985 when I was diagnosed and my favorite soda was um cherry coke. Oh, loved cherry coke and when I was diagnosed there was no diet like that right. didn't come out for another 10 years or something. Yeah. I I just remember that drink specifically being really oh, bummed that I had to I, give that up. I had to switch to Diet Coke. I remember that. Yes. Well, it's not terrible. It's okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, that's uh, it was a wild trip being eight years old getting that, but hence the juvenile diabetes term. Yeah. That right. Yeah. So, did your yeah. parents, looking back now, did you feel like your parents were overprotective? Like, did they try to, which would be very understandable, did they try to keep you close to home and kind of keep you safe because of diabetes. Yeah, I think I think they did a pretty good job. I don't remember them being too overbearing. I think the first few months definitely was a transition for our family. Um they were the, they would come in I think on my lunch breaks for third grade and elementary school and they would check my blood sugar, make sure everything was okay. I think they were just in the beginning stages, a little bit more afraid of like, oh, like they don't want me to have a hypoglycemic episode or blood sugar going off the charts. But I I think they, they slowly transitioned to wanting me to have a normal childhood as well. Cause I do remember having like sleepovers at friends' house and Uh. still going out and eating with friends or their, their parents and families. So I think they did a pretty good job at that transition into Uh. it. And I, I think uh, j- just the love and the care that was there, that was really all I needed to kind of adjust into this new lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, we've heard from so many people about just the value, just the parenting, even for you, Amy, because I was an adult, but just the parenting commitment and, you know, just yeah. how how valuable and how, I mean, it must have been so hard for your mom and dad, um, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an adjustment, you know, especially. Yeah, have for- you asked them now as an adult, have you ever asked them like, what was that like having your little third grader diagnosed? Yeah. I, yeah, I think we've had some conversations about it. I should bring it up again and yeah. just get, uh, you know, 25 years later, what was it like? But I, I'm pretty sure my mom was probably freaking out in the, on the yeah. inside and, uh, yeah. and my dad, you know, was just going along with it too. And he was very helpful and, you know, what, what they would cook for dinner and lunch was yeah. like 
they had to kind of change that sort of um, aspect to my diet. Siblings or are you only? I do. I have an older sister, Lindsay, and I have an older half-brother, Justin, who is also type 1 diabetic. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because his father was was the diabetic. So there wasn't a clear-cut like bloodline that right. was like, oh, this probably came from Aunt Mary or whoever. Right. You know? So that that's that's interesting, but we've always we've always talked about our family having autoimmune disease issues. Yeah, uh, my sister has you know like intestinal problems. She thought she had uh, Crohn's disease for a while. Yeah, maybe it's just IBS and hypothyroidism is in our family. Yeah, so there's something something in the genetic code that always <laughs> lines up. So yeah, did that help you having? Did that other brother live in your house? Like, who did it help to have an older brother who knew what to do? Or well, so interesting. So he's 12 years older than me. Um, he wasn't diagnosed until he was 29. Uh, okay. So. I had already had diabetes for uh, well over 10 years. Um, so it was kind of the opposite. Like once he got it, he was coming to me like, what do I do? What, what should I not do? And so it was, it was a very interesting dynamic to be like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to do this and try not to do that and monitor. So, yeah. but it's good. We, we still have conversations about, you know, how our numbers have been or what he's been up to. So it yeah. is, it is helpful to have a family member, I guess, like that to chat with about yeah. Yeah. yeah so then hail the sun so tell us a little bit about kind of the backstory how you guys met and how you came together as a band I feel like yeah I know the story but just for our listeners <laughs> oh sure yeah so yeah i'm in a band i play a bass in this band we all met uh in college at chico state university in northern california um that was let's see i think the band got together in 2009 um, they had another bass player before me, and then I think he left, and that's when Shane, my guitarist, and he, somebody I I um I was with in the dorms, dormitories at Chico, he was like, Why don't you come play with us? You know, and he knew I played music and I, I knew of Hail the Sun at that time. So that's when we decided to start playing together and we decided to do a tour that January of 2010. And that's kind of what piqued my interest. I had always wanted to go on a tour with a band. In my head growing up, I always wanted to be a musician, uh, performing in front of people. So it just kind of seemed to link uh, you know, pathways with what they wanted, what I wanted. And we've been going ever since. You know, We've been touring for 12 years now and um, still doing it. So Still, and we still get along somehow. We still like each other, so right. we're still friends. Still laugh a lot. Um, yeah, so I guess that was that's the forming of the band. Um, what what's else? It been like what's it been like having you know? I mean, I know that, and we'll have a clip of the music that you guys play, and you yeah. know, we've seen you many times, and I know yeah. you guys are all very close. But what's it? What was it like? You know, as a musician, having diabetes, being on tour, what were some of the challenges and any stories or things that stood out for you? Yeah, that would sure. Be really hard. I mean, I remember seeing you guys, and because you would stay at our house, and yeah, just the yeah. van situation, and oh yeah, and oh my goodness. So yeah, that, that, did you ever get? Did you ever have low blood sugar on stage, or like really high blood sugar? Yeah. On stage? So yeah, so it's been a journey for that. Um, 
as we started out, we were very broke and just, you know, feeding ourselves whatever we could. So that meant, you know, traveling and uh, either the van came a few years later. So before that, it was like a car and we'd all just jam ourselves in there. Uh, And then you would hope to make a little bit of money to pay for gas uh, for the next to get to the next show. So being that low on the money end, you the food is really what it was hard for me because most of us could only afford fast food. And, you know, that's not the, not, not the best diabetic food for, for anybody. So I noticed early on, it, there was some challenges and I think also not getting enough sleep was hard. That's something I've learned over the years. It's like sleep can really help level. I mean, obviously we all need sleep, but for your leveling of numbers and all that. So getting uh, further into our touring career, we did get a van would, 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 it was helpful, but you would still have to drive all day. So that means you're sitting for a lot of hours, not getting a lot of exercise. And then you get to the venue and you're jumping around and playing a lot. So that could, it could have, it definitely caused some ups and downs. And that was a tricky thing to, to level out. Um, as far as like on stage, I've been pretty fortunate. I think for me, I would always check a few times leading up until we played to make sure I wouldn't go down um, and it was almost quite the opposite. I think with that adrenaline rush on stage mm-hmm. and the, uh, exercise you would, you might think it would drop, but I think my blood sugars tend to go up a little bit. And then maybe an hour after the show is when they start to drop. So that's, that's what I've learned is like, I have to have at least some kind of meal right after stage to level it out and keep that even. But nowadays we have a bigger budget. We have um, some of these last tours, we rent more of a wagon or uh, like a minibus, and then we hire a driver. So what's great about that is these you know, minibuses, they have bunks in the wagon. So our driver, after a show, will drive to the next city overnight. So we get our sleep. We don't have to worry about it. You wake up in the next city, and then you're, you can be moving around, do some exercise if you like. And eating better has definitely gotten to that point. So not eating just fast food, you know, eating healthy food or whatever you can. And so that's been a good journey for us and just learning how my body works over the years with that. But it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's been some challenging, some challenging times for sure. I would say. Do you wear a pump or do you manage with injections? Yeah, I still manage with injections. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of old school like that. You know, I've, I've had friends, diabetic friends who've gone on the pump and some of them like it. Some of them were not uh, the biggest fans of having something connected to them at all times. But I know like it's, it would probably very be, would be very beneficial for my lifestyle and whatnot. I just haven't crossed over to that next one. I'm I'm kind of the old, old style thinking. I'd like to just take my shots when I can. But Liz did get me onto the, um, what do you call it? The freestyle. So that's been very helpful. And I love it because I loved it for me because it uh, kept me from being too OCD, you know, with like, with Dexcom, I I can see every single second I can see where it's going and if it's up or if it's going down. And, but with Libre, I only had to look at it, you know, when I wanted to look at it. So it um, just gave me a little more freedom. I felt like, yeah, it's very nice. Seeing, I love the graph, you know, seeing if you're going uh, up or down and, you know, before that, if you're checking your blood sugar, you just see the number. Right. I don't know if it's up, down, right. middle, 
So that's been very beneficial. So uh, thank you, Liz, for that. (laughs) Glad to have helped. I think I I just tried to imagine just, I think as time has gone on, just having that, being able to see the the changes and the arrows is just, it's so helpful to know like kind of what direction you're going in. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really helpful. Have you ever crossed paths with anyone else who has diabetes on the road? I have come across uh, a couple fans, which was uh-huh. fun because that's always a fun uh, conversation uh, yeah. to bring up. Like, oh, you're type one, I'm type one. So, <laughs> other musicians, I don't think I've come across too many. You know, yeah. I do know of a few in the professional industry, diabetics who are on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it's fun to watch their stories and learn from what they've done over their multiple years of touring and, mm-hmm. and see how they manage it. And everyone's got a different approach, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah. I think exercise, sleep, and eating right is definitely the best way to go the about it. Yeah. 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 And do you tour? Do you guys tour like mostly on the West Coast or like how far are you driving and traveling? Right. So we, I guess typically now we do mostly national touring. So we, we do coast to coast. Um, and so like w- when we were doing it in a van, that would be about four to five weeks on the road. Mm. Um, and that could be a challenge in itself. Uh, we, we do shorter tours here and there, like uh, just California. That was more in the beginning when we were just yeah. kind of California up to Washington and back down. Um and slowly getting out, we did a UK tour in, in 2017. Wow. So we're, we're trying to get it more uh, international. Most most of our tours, though, end up being about four weeks on average. So you do come to the East Coast. We do. Yeah, we do. So yeah, and you're, you're over there, right? Yeah, there's a chance I could see you live. I'm in South yeah. Carolina. Maybe we'll be by. Maybe you'll be back. That would be so exciting to meet you in person. on the list. So what are some things that you're looking forward to, John? Some things that are going well or things that you kind of like the band is excited about it that you're excited about that's coming up in terms of your art and craft? Sure. So we're we're, um, we're off the road now, hence me being home. Um, we have an album that was recorded uh, through February last year up until the summer. So that's kind of our next step is just getting everything in order, artwork and picking singles. So kind of the fun buildup. Uh, until we uh, will release it, we're hoping for uh, probably probably springtime of next year. And then usually when we release an album, is uh, the touring picks up again, so you can you know, promote it. So we're looking we're looking at a January tour, and then hopefully another headliner tour coming out in uh, May June area. So yeah, just just the buildup of that's really exciting, and uh, looking forward to new new shows, new fans, new experiences. So it's good, but it's, it's good being at home and, you know, uh, relaxing and, you know, building up the energy to get out there again. Son has gone on tour and just to see how, I mean, it is just rigorous, you know, just the driving and the arranging and finding where to play and where to stay. And, oh, it's just, crazy so and it's really been wonderful to watch you guys emerge and have so much success. oh thank you i know yeah, yeah. i remember we staying at your house i think in like 2010 2011 yeah. and uh we were so excited whenever we had a roof over our head uh especially oh, at a yeah. family a family's house that was yeah, always... we could make food for you and help like yes. take care of you guys all oh, <laughs> yeah. home cooked yeah. meals that's what it was yeah. all about back then so yeah. it yeah. is tough it, it it's it's not the most uh you know, glorious in the beginning, if you're trying to start out, it's, it's a tough, tough industry for sure, but it's, it's been great for us, uh, to see the growth firsthand and 
to be where we are now. I think we're just very humbled by it and still able to bring people out to shows, new people, old fans. And yeah. so it's always good. It's always exciting. And it's it's hard work for sure. And it's tough being away from home. You know, I have a wife at home, three cats. You gotta gotta keep the cats going. <laughs> we still make it work. So it's yeah. it's so fun. You know, we still do it. And there must be like there must be renewed energy for you guys to get on the road after the pandemic, traveling at all. So it's I would think everybody's kind of fired up to get out there and play live. Yeah, and- yeah that was that was a tough uh, couple of years. I mean, for everybody in, in multiple ways, but for, as as musicians and not being able to um, you know bring your your art on the road and at times that can be a big uh, income for us. So that right. we had to find new ways and. I think we were doing more live streaming concerts, like nobody would be there, but we would go to a venue and record it and then release that. So it was odd playing like a live yeah, set. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah. Then nobody claps after and right. you're like, well, right, well uh, next song, I guess. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you feed off the audience so much. So when you don't have that, right. it's a little strange. But yeah, once once we got back on the road, it was like you just said, a renewed energy. And I think we all just felt so grateful we could keep doing it. Um and still doing it now. So yeah, yeah look forward to more more shows and all that. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. so proud of you, John, all that you've accomplished. And and it, it truly, if our listeners, if anyone gets a chance to see Hail the Sun, it is a dynamic, exciting. Lots of energy. I mean, it is a really for for our listeners, how would well, how would you describe um the music john sure so yeah like liz says it it can be very high energy uh you know it could be a loud boisterous song uh rock and roll we kind of go in the in the genre of uh post-hardcore rock and roll um but we have we have a different flair i think because we can we can bring the dynamic down i think the song i shared with you is actually one of our acoustic more calm songs so it's it's a little bit uh if somebody listens to that and then another one of our songs they'll see the range that uh we can definitely put out there but it's uh at our live shows that's kind of what we're known for is just high energy a lot of movement and then you can bring it down a nice quiet tune and then bring it right back up with a very loud fast drumming kind of song so yeah if anybody's into that uh that genre that music you know <laughs> please, please check us out and there are four of you or five of you? So there's four original members. Um, our lead singer was our drummer. He started off behind the kid. And then as we kept growing, he he wanted to bring himself up as more of a front man. So I would say the last six years, we've been touring with uh, a nice young gentleman, Alan. He's a fantastic drummer. He fills in that that missing link so well. So Donovan, our lead singer, can be up front moving around. That's and, such a lead singer name, Donovan. Oh yeah, Donovan Malero. He he has such and he's he's got that lead singer mentality. So, but he's a great front man, good friend of mine. And um so there's five of us when you would see us live uh generally. But Donovan, he'll come back and drum for a few songs. We still keep that going. Do so. you do any songwriting? Yeah, yeah, or me personally or yeah, the band? You personally. Yeah, so we um I, I do some on my side, more of like a fun thing at home. I, I don't have a solo project yet. I'm working on something. But um, as when we when we get together and write music, it's generally all of us, all four of us mm-hmm. in a room just trying to hash out something. 
uh, it's very guitar driven, I would say. So it mm-hmm. almost starts with the guitarists and then we'll fill it in with everything else that comes around to, to make a song. So, yeah, but it, yeah, it's a tough gig. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know Noah, my cousin, Liz's son, he's a, he's an amazing songwriter. So I I'm jealous of him at times, honestly. So you can <laughs> tell him that Liz, he's, he's got a really good head for that. It's, it's a tough gig writing songs. It's hard. Yeah. It is. But it's, it's always fun. Always fun. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, again, thank you, John, so much for making time. We'll include some, um, you know, links to your obviously your sites and um, music, and include some of your your lovely and interesting and just dynamic creations um, as a part of our podcast to all of you guys. And we hope to see you in Portland again, and hopefully on the east coast with so that amy can have a listen as well yes yeah. i hope so too um thank yeah. you so much for having me on this podcast i'm happy yeah. you guys are doing this and hopefully some new some new listeners and also anyone who's out there with type one just working through it and and to be inspired by the yeah. by you but that does something that they can do that yep you know, this is possible. This is a possible lifestyle. Yeah. You can definitely have any kind of lifestyle you want while living with this disease. Uh, There's challenges, but there's challenges in everything. So I hope, I hope people can find the, uh, the comfortness in that. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys. I hope to see you soon and hope to be on the East Coast. Yeah. It was great to meet you. Yes. You as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Embracing Diabetes with today's guest, John Sturrett. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe felt inspired or informed or less alone or all of the above. Please subscribe to Embracing Diabetes on all major podcast platforms and leave a comment, question, or review.